0: back to another episode of not D, uh, which is of course brought to you by en world live which is part of en world the tabletop news and review site i'm your host jessica and i'm very excited because this week that oh, let's try that again i'm very excited i can't get my words out because this week we have the guest michael sands with us. michael thank you so much for joining us
1: oh thank you for inviting me
0: of course uh, and of course we're here to have you talk about monster of the week so this is um yeah. such a cult classic uh game in my opinion in my gaming group we absolutely love it so i'm really excited to share it with everybody here watching um if you're watching live right now uh if you have any questions if you type it in the chat uh we'll answer it for you uh so just jump in and feel free to get involved i uh, are just heard two nerds having a chat about tabletop rpgs and if you're a nerd that likes them too you can join in um so michael I always start by uh, asking questions uh, about the guest and your background with tabletop RPGs. So what was the first tabletop RPG uh, you ever played?
1: Uh, It was basic basic (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Classic. Uh, My neighbours got a copy of the box set when it first came out in New Zealand, which was about 1979, 1980. Oh, wow. They they got
0: me into it. amazing so what when were you Who were you? you were just like playing with your friends at home and stuff and then yeah yeah
1: yeah awesome. yeah. and uh, a group of us at school got really into it so it's mm-hmm. kind of grew from there and I've never stopped playing so
0: yeah I was about to say you got really into it because now this is your whole kind of you know career and things so how did what was that journey yeah. like when so obviously a lot of people play Dungeons and Dragons when they're very young but they don't have you know they're not like a tabletop RPG writer like you are uh so what how, what yeah. was that journey like? How did you get there?
1: Well, at first, I think it's because I was always interested in different games. So mm-hmm. I didn't just play d d Like quite early on, I played okay. Traveller, which is one of the mm-hmm. first of the yeah. um, science fiction games, and tried out a few of the other ones, things like Tunnels and Trolls and Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes, which is kind of an early pulp game. Um, that sounds
0: very cool. I've not heard of that one.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure it would hold up very well today, but it was quite fun. Oh no,
0: okay. <laughs> at the <laughs> time, it was good <laughs> when the bar was yeah. low because there weren't many games out there. Like, okay, great, got it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So playing lots of games, um, and then in the 1990s, um, I got into going to our annual local convention here, which mm-hmm. had quite a strong culture of people like doing homebrew games and their mm-hmm. own rule systems and things like that. And I think like doing that plus all my own experience doing doing this things for my own game group kind of mm-hmm. built up to where I started designing. Um, and then that's even more encouraged when, as internet communities grew up in like around mm-hmm. 2000, in the 2000s, uh, getting involved in groups there talking about role playing game design, um, places like The Forge and Story Games and later on the Google Plus communities about that. Um, mm-hmm. So all kind of, worked in so it's definitely been a, a long journey of like playing games to learn what's out there and like honing my abilities to actually design them myself <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it seems like it's a long journey that's kind of paid off uh like you said so uh this week we're here to talk yeah. about uh, your game monster of the week um so give us a, a quick whistle stop tour of that so how would you describe monsters of the week to people that have, that have never heard about it before
1: um it's the modern mon- uh, modern monster hunting action game inspired by supernatural buffy the vampire slayer fringe the x-files and things like that so if you want Amazing. to be modern people hunting supernatural monsters that's that's what it's about
0: fantastic and so where did well, I'm guessing you're going to say the inspiration source is you're fans of that kind of genre of film and TV, and that's where the idea kind of came from. Um, yeah, so-
1: it was specifically specifically Supernatural when I first started watching that, which um, was... Uh, I was a little late finding it, but when I did, and I thought, I really want to play a role-playing game like this, but I can't see any out that do that job, that, that quite had that feel.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're like, I'm going to make it. If it doesn't exist, yeah. if I want it, other people <laughs> probably want it and it will exist. Um, and yeah. So when did, you, when did you start working on Monster of the Week and, and what was that design process like?
1: Um, let's see. In terms of start, I don't know which year it was, but it would have been about the third year of Supernatural's run because um, I had a friend who lent me some of the DVDs of the first series or two. So, mm-hmm. And that was when I started watching it. And I think I pretty much immediately started working on the game then. Mm-hmm. Um, which was quite a bit before Apocalypse World was released. So it was a very different game then. It was a
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, wholly different uh, system, uh, which I basically worked on. I ran playtests, took it to conventions and ran games there for people um, and slowly evolved it over a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, then when, um, when Vincent Baker released Apocalypse World, and I played that, um, which was right when it first came out, um, I was struck by how what he had done in that game was like solving a bunch of the problems I had with the design of Monster of the Week that I was working <laughs> okay. on. Yeah. Uh, so, so I kind of quickly turned it into a kind of hybrid of the ideas I'd had and the ideas from Apocalypse World, which I think really captured that um, like strongly genre-centred style of play mm-hmm. where yeah. you're um, – where it's it's all about kind of capturing a certain feel,
0: mm-hmm, definitely. And with the uh, kind of with Apocalypse World, for people that kind of aren't familiar um, with Apocalypse World, maybe they haven't played it yet. What were the things about it that you thought would would fit very well with the, the you know the, the setting that you're creating?
1: Um, I think probably uh, the first thing is the way the classes were presented. Because mm-hmm. um, he he had that playbook style thing where, yeah. um, which Monster of the Week has too, where you've got a strong central concept for a character, um, like in Monster of the Week, one of them's the Chosen One, like Buffy, you know, something like that. <laughs> where it's very yeah. very specific. Um, in Apocalypse World, there's things like there's a gang leader is one of the mm-hmm. things who actually has a motorcycle gang. And that gave kind of uh, Mad Max style post-apocalypse. So that's the vibe that's happening mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, those playbooks as classes, which had a lot going on and packed with really cool abilities, like there are very few abilities that are like, you know, get plus one on a roll but, and lots mm-hmm. of abilities that, like, allow you to affect the world in much more interesting ways. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the the, the second part. Um, And I think the the last one is the attitude to playing and running the game where Mm -hmm. it completely throws away the idea that there's a story that the the game master's written that you're going to work through. Instead, Mm -hmm. it says, you're in a situation, there are some things happening, there might be some bad people or some people are going to cause trouble and you can just do what you want and we'll see what happens, which uh, I think he called it playing to find out. And and that's always kind of been the the style I like. So yeah. having it uh, uh, explained in such a kind of neat way um, really made an impact on me.
0: Yeah, I'll d- I love how you've just articulated that because I think that's yeah exactly the style of play it is completely. You're presented with a scenario and given kind of ultimate yeah. narrative freedom to. To play around uh which is so fun um so yeah. talking about some of the the playbooks as well that, that you mentioned um so what ones will we find in monster of the weeks so you mentioned you can be you know the chosen one there's like a, a Buffy the vampire slayer one yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. um there's there's the wronged who's the person who's kind of lost everything and on a, a, mm-hmm. a vengeful journey against the monsters that did it um yeah there's the professional who's like your Mulder or Scully type, you
0: know, law
1: enforcement agent kind of who hunts monsters. Um, uh, Another favorite is the mundane who's just like the normal person in the monster hunter group.
0: Okay. um,
1: Like uh, Xander and and Buffy. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: The person who doesn't really have any monster hunting skills as such. There for
0: the Um, vibes. Yeah. yeah,
1: we've, 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 we've got quite a lot over the years, so I don't think I can go through all of them, but I've tried to kind yeah. <laughs> of encompass a big range, but also ones that each have their own little story to tell. So, mm-hmm. Or I should say, actually, maybe a group of stories to tell, so you're not kind mm-hmm. of locked into the same story if you play the same character type again or as, as mm-hmm. someone else would if they were playing it, uh, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so with, like you say, mechanics are kind of based on, I'm very inspired by Apocalypse World, so you've got kind of the, yeah. the playbooks coming in there. So what else uh, mechanically does does the game look like? So if we're sitting down to play for the first time, what sort of things do I need with me and how, how do we play?
1: Yeah. Well, unlike uh, Dungeons & Dragons, it's um, it doesn't really have skills. Um, mm-hmm. You do have some stats that are like your basic what your character's good at, although they're a bit more abstracted. They're things like um, how tough you are, how weird you Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. rather than how strong or agile. Um, And rather than skills, where the mechanics operate using moves, which is Mm -hmm. an idea Baker came up with in Apocalypse World, where it's still a resolution mechanism, but rather than um, saying, like, you're doing a particular thing, it's like answering a, a fictional situation Mm-hmm. So, like, rather than a, you know, how good are you with hitting with a sword, in Monster of the week, there's a move called Kick some Arse. And that's <laughs> more like if you're in a fight, how good are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, the The rolls are pretty simple. They're just 2d6 and add the appropriate um, rating that goes with them. So for the Kick some Arse, that's tough usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's divided into three levels of success. If you roll mm-hmm. low you get a miss and something very bad happens. Uh-oh. If you roll in the middle, you get like a weak hit or a partial hit where you get what you want, you achieve what you're trying to do, but there's maybe a cost or a complication associated with it. And if you roll okay. really high, then everything goes great.
0: Perfect. Um, An and it's exactly how you want and you get a cool cinematic moment, yeah. is it?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, and that's the, the core moves that require dice rolls. There's also a lot of moves in amongst the... the playbooks where they'll just give you an ability um mm-hmm. uh the flake who's kind of a conspiracy theorist character like they get a move <laughs> where they can just uh they they know if someone's lying to them that that's mm-hmm. just what the move says so so they can always tell if they're if they're being deceived
0: Yeah um, well, so there's a few yeah, moves yeah. like
1: that that just give you a special ability or permission that's always on
0: Amazing. I like the conspiracy theorist one, because I kind of feel like, well, they're not really a conspiracy theorist in Monster of the Week, because they're actually right. They're not wrong. This whole monster world well, is correct.
1: <laughs> they could be. I've certainly seen people play Flakes, who, even though monsters were real, they had some pretty way out ideas that we're not
0: <laughs> oh okay so they're like so they, okay so it validated them in a really bad way because they're like i was right about this yeah. everything yeah. else must be true as well and it's like no, exactly. no, it's no. Just, yeah. just, just the monster <laughs> thing as well um so talking about uh monster of the week um it's a very versatile system that you can say you could, it's inspired by a range of you know that sort of setting and you yeah. can have lots of different monsters what are the sort of stories people tell and the kind of monsters that people are are playing against in, in campaigns
1: well this the story's a bit more constrained i was talking before about the the play to find out idea from mm-hmm. apocalypse world but in monster because yeah. we're trying to match that episodic tv show style where mm-hmm. you know they come in and within 40 minutes of of drama they've figured out what was going on and stopped whatever monster was causing trouble. Mm-hmm, so sure. um, so it's got a kind of an arc to it where at the beginning, the hunters come in, they don't really know what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the, um, the keeper, the game master in this game, uh, will have made a countdown, which is like all the things that will happen if the hunters don't get to it in time and stop it. Mm-hmm. So rather than like having a set of encounters that you're going to have, you have this countdown telling you, what, what's going to happen unless they deal with it and mm-hmm. that kind of drives the, the the drama of it because if the hunters mess around those uh, those things mm-hmm. are going to happen
0: yeah however
1: the what they do about it is entirely up to them. Um, the other key thing that the game has is the idea that each monster has a particular weakness and if you can't if you don't know what the weakness is and don't use it you can't kill or stop the monster. Okay. So like you see in in a lot of those shows, a lot of the investigations, not just working out what you're fighting, but working out what you need to do to stop this particular one. <laughs>
0: oh. Okay. Like a vampire, it's just a stake through the heart and nothing else. If it's a zombie, destroy the brain. You've got to figure out the thing yeah. to make it work. Okay.
1: Yeah. But sometimes you might find out that this is a different variety of vampire or something like that too, right? Maybe this one, oh. Stake to the Heart, isn't what's needed. Maybe it's something Gasp, special.
0: twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. In but- terms
1: of what monsters uh, that,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you asked about, what sort of monsters, I, I think generally like those sorts of shows, we're generally drawing on folklore and urban legends as, mm-hmm. as the pattern. That's what the game expects, and I think that's what most people yeah. do.
0: It's also easier than I think for you as a player because you know the references and the clues that you're being given down. Yeah. Then you know, so it's everyone knows those kind of tropes, so it feels uh, quite safe and comfortable as well. And um, for me, this is a yeah. game um, because, like you say, it's so episodic and it's like so many TV shows. Um, it feels like a game that's quite safe for um, kind of new players to play. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think so. You know if. Uh, how would you like recommend introducing somebody that's like never played any role playing games? So if 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 you're any, really into your role playing games and you're looking for your friends to kind of join in, you're like, okay, let's get Monster of the Week. What tips do you have for for welcoming someone to the hobby with this game?
1: Okay, I think the person who's going to be the keeper for the mystery should, uh, these days, I'd recommend they grab uh, a a mystery that they like the idea of to run. Mm-hmm. Because there's these days, there's quite a few out there. There's a lot of third-party ones mm-hmm. uh, that you can get on drive through RPG and Itch.io. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we've got a supplement um, called The Tome of Mysteries, Ooh. which yeah. has got a lot of mysteries that were written by people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's quite a few in there that are that are nice introductory mm-hmm. ones. Um, so yeah, so my advice on someone getting into it. Like, find a mystery, either in the Tome of Mysteries or somewhere else online. That seems really cool. And I think that's the, the important thing, that you're excited by it. Mm-hmm. Um, then read through the... Monster Week's got a big chapter on running your first mystery with mm-hmm. all this, like, takes you through very carefully all the all the things you should do and think about as you're doing that. So read that through Perfect. and go for it. And, and I think the way the system is built, you can't go too far wrong... <laughs>
0: Okay, good right. to know. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just, just have that and have fun, really, and just, just lean into the yeah, tropes yeah. and the story, and, and the rest will kind of come together. That's awesome yeah, to hear. And,
1: and I think that's um, that is another one of the things about Apocalypse World that I like: the way moves work and mm-hmm. the way the keeper and monster week or game master generally reacts to them, mm-hmm. kind of keep the story flowing quite nicely without anyone having to work too hard mm-hmm.
0: um i love it's, i love
1: there's kind of a, a natural flow of of what happens
0: yeah i love the uh the the countdown like you say that the the bad guy's doing something and if you run off and do something else the the thing's going to happen because i think that's so useful to yeah. have in 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 any game really because that's what makes a villain real like because they're not going to sit in a room and wait until you just open the door before they're doing their thing. They're they're off yeah. doing their thing, whatever that may be. So I think that's that's really great for making a story feel real and that the stakes are high and you kind of have to have to do something with that. Um so Yeah, I, I think so. I put on the screen uh, that you can pick up a copy of this at Evil Hat uh, and the link's in the chat if you're yep. watching live and in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast as you can check that out there. Um, so did you have uh, – so Evil Hat kind of published the game, so did you have a relationship with them beforehand before they published this, or was this the kind of first thing you, no, you made no, with it them? Was,
1: yeah. it was a um, another internet connection, actually um, – uh-huh. uh, Fred Hicks, who's one of the founders of Evil Hat Productions, um, uh, played a copy of the original um, version of Monster Week, which I crowdfunded Mm -hmm. in 2011, Mm -hmm. which had a very small print-on-demand run. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had come across it and played a game. um, And he got in touch with me to propose um, teaming up to kind of get it into wider distribution. which ended up leading to the revised edition, which had a bit more material and quite a few changes based on the few years that have been out and the kind of questions I'd come across and
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: things that needed to be a bit streamlined and so on.
0: Okay, great. So it's a great opportunity to kind of tweak it and, and you know. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fantastic. Especially
1: coming at that just a few years point, that's long enough for, for me to have kind of heard quite a lot of different opinions about, about the game and, and kind of picked what things were good to fix.
0: Yeah, definitely. And speaking of um, kind of changing and adding things, uh, there's a new, uh, new something you're working on for Monster of the Week, uh, which I'll pop up on the screen if you'd like to share with us, which I, I've yeah. only just learned about myself, so I'm very excited. Uh, so the Codex of Worlds, what is this about, Michael?
1: Yeah, uh, so this is going to be a new supplement coming out in partnership with Evil Hat again. Um, mm-hmm. It's about half and half my work and Merrick Galonka's. Uh, Merrick mm-hmm. is um, he's one of the people who contributed quite a lot to the Tome of Mysteries, and he had this proposition for um, for a book of like alternate settings for Monster of the Week, which mm-hmm. is uh, what turned into the Codex of World of Worlds. Um, so what's going to be in here is we've got a few little optional extra rules and um, okay. new advice. We've got a whole bunch of completely different settings for Monster of the Week where mm-hmm. we take it and put it in a historical or fantasy kind of setting that um, takes it to a whole different place. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: The cover shows uh, a bit of my uh, Stone Age version of it, where your Stone Age monster hunters protecting your community. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ones that Marek's got is called the Monster Marches, which is kind of a bit more of a Witcher-inspired style setting. It's also oh, very cool. cool, and there's some others in there mm-hmm. too. And we've also brought in uh, the idea of team playbooks, so these okay. are inspired by Blades in the Dark and what they are, are like a uh-huh. character sheet for your whole Monster Hunter team with some mm-hmm. special stuff that you can uh, work t- use to work together, some moves that the team can use and um, some story seeds and things like that, um, which I think people will find pretty fun too.
0: Amazing. And you mentioned some kind of tweaks or optional extra rules and things. Can you share any of those with us or are they still – uh, in development can, or secret.
1: Are, <laughs> No, no, they're not. Um they are, They're basically uh, some rules that came up that some of the settings used that we thought could be kind of generalised. Um, okay. Uh, so one of them is for my Stone Age setting, it changed around the way weaknesses work for mysteries so that
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's more of a case of solving whatever problem made the mystery appear in the first place rather than, like finding the secret ingredient to kill a monster.
0: Uh, okay. So okay. I
1: called that atonement mysteries, and that's basically a different way of mm-hmm. conceptualizing it. So rather than finding the weakness and killing the monster, you figure out what made it happen and fix mm-hmm. that or make recompense for that. Uh, and there's also one okay. for a non-lethal play, which is kind of if you're going for more of a Scooby-Doo style game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's more silliness than horror. <laughs>
0: And I think sometimes players are not in the mood for a serious horror game, and sometimes it does just get silly. So I think that's great yeah. to have that option because sometimes you can't fight that if the table's feeling silly. You, can, you can, There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you have to go lean into it. So that's yeah. great to hear that that you can do that. Um, talking a little bit more generally about running kind of kind of horror games, um, do you have any advice for GMs on running? I'd say mainly Monster of the Week, but almost any kind of horror game, and um, and how how you create that atmosphere and environment and, and and run a horror game.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I'm quite the best person to ask because I don't think I'm, I don't think I want like games that are horror first. I think I prefer mm-hmm. games that are something else with like a a vein of horror running through them. Okay. So, like for Monster of the Week, I feel like it's primarily an action and drama game. Which mm-hmm. happens to be about fighting horrible monsters. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of more in, in Monster League, when I'm running it. Anyway, uh, the the monsters are more to kind of uh, cast a, a a shadow that the the hunters can work against. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, in terms of atmosphere, so for that I like to have the monsters kind of threaten the things the hunters value more than attack them okay. directly yes um and again that's because it's kind of a drama focused thing for me I, mm. I want to kind of see what the characters are interested in um yeah,
0: yeah i love that i love that idea and that like you say sets the kind of the tone for the game that it's drama and action opposed to like we're gonna sit in a room and cry for three hours. style game, which I'm sure there are there are games yeah. of that style if that's what you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's not what this is. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and so do you have any kind of um, examples of that? Like you say, threatening the things the players care about. I don't know if you have any playtesting examples without obviously giving Ooh. too many spoilers away on any upcoming things. Yeah.
1: Um. Not going oh, kind to of trick recently, questions. actually been a little while since i've I finished the playtesting for for any of the monster of the week stuff um, but i tend to like to focus on either relationships that are already established for the characters and have monsters threaten those
0: mm-hmm. or
1: if they're even just the characters they like in the current mystery Eve. it's just someone they met a few minutes ago but you know sometimes the players or the character or some in between thing will just Particularly, take a liking to a, a certain non-player character. Um, mm-hmm. So that those also are a good place for drama to come to. I think if you can threaten those things the characters care about, um, that that adds a lot of um, punch to your story.
0: Yeah, I like that advice. That's really sound advice there. And I love uh, what you said about running this game as a GM. I'm, it's coming from my perspective because I'm I've been a player for about. Over a decade, but haven't really GM'd. So I'm looking for games that are games that I can kind of come in and, and run. And this feels like one of those games that, like you said before, is quite friendly. You you know what the monsters doing? They're off doing their thing. You've got the story arc. You yeah. just present the players with the situation, and they kind of run off and play it. Um, so we kind of talked about welcoming new players to the table. So I'm going to jump back and secretly, this is just me asking for advice. <laughs> What yep. recommendations would you give to new GMs that are running uh, the game and, and picking Monster of the Week to play?
1: Um, well, again, there's there's a lot of advice I put in there about how to come to it. Um, essentially the 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 role of the keeper as the game master in, in Monster of the Week is about like listening to what they do and reacting to it. Um, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of games, like you're you're not gonna be bogged down with a lot of abilities and statistics and things for all your creatures. Those those are all pretty um, streamlined. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, you're going to be just thinking, OK, what's the most natural thing that can happen? And mm-hmm. there is a, there's a bunch of lists in there of like what are appropriate things to happen in response to different situations mm-hmm. to help give you ideas. But really, it's that uh, assessing what the fictional situation you're dealing with was. And what mm-hmm. is the most natural thing that happens after what the hunters just did, whether it was a, su- a success or a failure or just an action that they did that didn't even require a role of any kind. Um, again, so focus on thinking about the conversation around the table as being the primary thing. So you're always waiting for the players to tell you what their hunter does. And you say, okay, then this happens. What do you do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just keep that, rolling on um and and to help with that uh one of the things about the game is that like your prep for setting up a mystery is you can do mm-hmm. it very lightweight it's um uh, i tend to for me it takes about 10 minutes i mean i'm obviously probably one of the oh, people wow. who's got the most experience with it yeah but, um, <laughs> all you really need is a concept for your monster which if you're picking something from folklore or an urban legend, that could be quite quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need some ideas for its abilities and statistics, which there are not very many of. So you can get those down mm-hmm. quickly. A weakness for it, and a countdown, and you know what's what's it plotting and trying to do, and maybe a few locations and people to meet along the way. So you know if you want to strip it down to the minimum, you can do it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to kind of fill out more details, if you're not so confident um, improvising as you go that that's also an option you know you can kind of fill out more of the stuff they might come across as well um, so yeah um, yeah in terms of the introduction uh, you know I spent a lot of time writing the advice of how to how to do your first game and how to, how to cope with that conversation around the table and I think if you go through that um, and take that in you'll have a pretty solid game.
0: That's excellent advice. Thank you very much. Like I was going to say, that was just me fishing for advice on how to run Monster of the Week for the first time secretly. So that's mostly why I, I do this show. It's just so I can interview people and ask some questions for myself about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking, you know, talking about Monster of the Week, are there any kind of questions I should have asked you about the game or, or things about it you'd like to kind of highlight and, and talk about whilst we've got the time here?
1: Um. No, I think we've covered the uh, the main things about it.
0: But, Excellent, uh, good. I think Means I like, did ask all the right questions. <laughs> um yeah, so yeah. uh <laughs> Phew, Good to know. Um, So if you uh, enjoy the chat and you want to pick up a copy of Monster of the Week, uh, you can go to Evil Hat. uh, The link is in the chat there and on the screen, uh, because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Um, Michael, if people want to stay in touch with you or if they, they jumped in a bit late and they didn't get the chance to ask you a question, where's good to find you on the Internet?
1: Um. I'm on Twitter at the moment, so as long as that survives, I'll still be there. You can get me at generic games nz or monster of the week underscore RPG there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or my website, genericgames.co.nz, there where I'll post any news that's relevant and and you can find my other social connect uh, links and things there.
0: Wherever we might go when Twitter <laughs> flies off. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's great to have that in there. Well, Great to have that in there. The other question I have as well is, do you have any recommendations for tabletop RPGs and the rules of they cannot be ones that you have made and they can't be Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, I've got uh, a a selection of three here that have been dominating my mind at the moment. Oh. Um, So the first one here is Starforged, which just came in the mail Mm -hmm. uh, a week and a bit ago. Which is another powered by the Apocalypse game by um, Sean Tomkin. Um, it's that what makes it interesting is that it's built from the beginning for like solo or cooperative play without a game master, mm-hmm. and, and you can also play it with a game master, but you don't have to.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I played a little bit of the game, the first game he wrote, which is called Ironsworn, which is like a fantasy version of the same thing, and had a mm-hmm. great time. Uh, and Starforged is like the science fiction space opera streamlined mm-hmm. version of it. Um, and it looks really, really cool. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to getting that to the table.
0: Yeah, I've seen that um, picked up some awards or something, didn't it? I think I remember seeing that talked uh, about I'm or not sure. certainly nominated for some things. So I've, I've heard about that Kickstarter
1: one. Kickstarter it got a lot of attention, so I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh,
1: another one, and this is a bit of more of a obscure one. This is Katanas and coats. Okay. which is like the role-playing mm-hmm. game of all the over-the-top gothy action movies of the 80s and 90s. So it's like Highlander, Blade, all okay. of that. And a fair bit of nostalgia for those of us who played Vampire and Werewolf in the 1990s
0: too. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's by Ryan Macklin um, and was the result of a very, very long delayed Kickstarter. I think it ended up taking about five years to come through. But the final results just absolutely wonderful the the, it's both hilarious to read and i think feels like it's packed with really solid um advice um so another one i'm really looking forward to getting to the table but haven't quite got to yet Mm -hmm. Uh, and the last one i'm looking at at the moment is alien
0: Mm -hmm, which i really love
1: this um I've played it a couple of times and I'm currently preparing to run one of their cinematic scenarios in a couple of weeks for some friends of mine. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of deep in reading up on the rules of that at the moment and very much looking forward to getting that out. That's another yeah. one where I think they've got a nice take on horror because the way mm-hmm. the stress builds up for your characters in yes. Alien builds so much tension. It's it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, if you're interested in learning more about the Alien RPG, we did uh, interview them and talked about, uh, we interviewed Free League and talked about the stress mechanic. Uh, so if you go back on the podcast uh, or the stream and just look up Alien, you can see a, an interview about that as well so you can get more in depth. But yes, uh, I'm excited to get my copy to the table as well because it's just sitting. On that shelf right now not doing anything very exciting um okay yeah. well i think that brings us up to the end of our time uh so michael thank you so much for coming on and joining us and sharing monster of the week with us yep. and um very excited oh, to see the codex of worlds coming out next year as well so keep keep in touch and let's yeah. know when that's yeah, coming we- out
1: yeah uh at the moment all I can say is that production's going on and we're Mm -hmm. hoping it will be like early to mid next year, but that all depends on a lot of production scheduling. So of course, so just
0: that's fine. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Let us know when it's coming out and we can uh, update the show notes to let people know. That's great. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone watching and listening. Goodbye.